a lot of controversy over the last four days with Sasha Banks. Uh, reports online. She's unhappy. Uh, she walked out. She fucking wanted to quit. <laughs> Lying down in the locker room floor. Did you read that? Oh, God. Lying down. Yeah, yeah. When you get upset, you lie on the floor like a bear. I, I, I mean, I mean, you, you fucking don't. First of all, Sasha Banks cries if she fucking farts and it leaks in her fucking panties. I mean, she cries for every little thing. Uh, she's going to lay on the floor. What is she going to do? No, 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 no. No, she fucking either be throwing the stuff around crying or fucking, you know, with the lisp, just be talking to the wall and talking to bear. Bailey, I'm, I'm just lying on the floor like a fucking rug. I don't. But anyway, she's upset. She wants out. They convinced her to stay. She went to Dominican Republic to play with monkeys and Callisto and a boyfriend came back, was not going to show up on Raw, but did show up on Raw. And she was backstage, but not backstage. And she was being utilized. And she posts more of these fucking cryptic tweets. You know, I, I said on Breakfast of Blassie, Sasha. If you don't want people reporting fake news about you and making mistakes, shut the fuck up with the cryptic tweets. And welcome back to another edition of Wrestling is Trash, a nonsensical podcast to where we talk about professional wrestling past, present, and quite possibly the future. A couple of things before we get started proper like uh, you can follow Wrestling is Trash on Twitter at Wrestling Be Trash. You can also follow on Instagram at Wrestling is Trash and if you want to listen to every episode of Wrestling is Trash, you can go to WrestlingIsTrash.com. And if you want to be a part of the show, which I failed to mention on the previous episode or the episode to precede this one, uh, depending on what order I release them in. But uh, you can be a part of the show by sending your questions using the hashtag WitTalk. That's W-I-T-T-A-L-K. And um, if you want to, you can leave voicemails. Use the number 304 Two five five seven six two, and lastly, if you want to support the show, go to randomrobcast.com forward slash merch, and you can get you a wrestling is trash T-shirt, hat, beanie, um, a coffee mug, I think, some stickers, but um, all that would greatly be appreciated. And let's start the show. Uh, coming back once again is my man King Ajar. Um, he usually brings a little bit of knowledge and info with us, and uh, he has a little bit of something you want to share today. So we're just going to start it off with that. All right. Um, hey, Rob. Glad to be on as usual. Uh, happy Easter to you, your family, and all the listeners. Um, we are recording this on an Easter Sunday. I don't know when you're going to post it, but mm-hmm. just thought I'd get that out there. So, um, yeah, the reason I wanted to kind of hop on with you today is, you know, one of the really hot topics in the wrestling world um, just happens to be, you know, and coincidentally, my favorite wrestler, mm-hmm. which is Sasha Banks. And she is really the hottest thing right now because there's all this controversy surrounding, did she ask for her release? Did she walk out on WWE? Is she going to leave the company? Is she going to be in AEW? Is mm-hmm. she going to come back? Why did they break up her and Bailey? What was that about? Is she frustrated? Does she feel underutilized? There's, I mean, if you just Google the name uh, Sasha Banks, I think there's probably 50, 60 dirt sheets that have a, a separate story on her, a different perspective on her whole situation. I mean, you there are reports of 
they um, they sent her home for a bad attitude. There are other reports that she left because she found out that her and Bailey were losing the tag titles. She got so mad, she's asking for release. I mean, if you like, I said, I think one Thursday where she was one of the twenty most searched names um, in Google, and it's something that Becky Lynch. Ronda Rousey or Charlotte did not have the night they main evented WrestleMania. So she was actually more talked about than, you know, Becky Lynch, who's really the hottest star in the company. And it's not necessarily for her great match or anything like that. It's because of, you know, what a coup it would be if she were to leave the WWE and go to AEW because she's, you know, she's a star. And if you could get her, you could really build a women's division. So, as you know, there's so much about her and this controversy, and, and I'm rambling on here, but that's the name of your show. Yep. So here's the situation. So I, I know people inside that company, and um, just because i shareholder and, and other connections I've built through the years, and, you know, I have it on very good authority that this is an angle. Mm-hmm. And... What has happened is, okay, so let's go back to WrestleMania. WrestleMania Saturday night before WrestleMania Sunday, she was told um, that two things are going to happen. Her and Bailey were going to be broken up. And because they're going to be broken up, Bailey going to sack down, Sasha staying on Raw, that they're going to drop the titles to the Iconics. And, you know, Sasha was not frustrated with dropping the belts to the Iconics. In fact, that is the team she wanted to lose the titles to when it was time for her and Bailey to lose the titles, but they thought that time was going to be a lot later down the road. Mm-hmm. Number two, she was really upset that they were breaking up her and Bailey because Bailey is her travel partner. They do drive to towns together, split hotel expenses, whatever. So there was, yeah, she was upset. She was, she was really angry mad but at no time did she ever ask for her release so what happened is they kind of laid out a storyline for her that they wanted to turn her heel which is what everybody has wanted for god knows how long Mm -hmm. and apparently they are trying some form of new storytelling which is they're going to leak information to the internet to the dirt sheets on purpose to see if it furthers the storyline. So let me just kind of give you the scenario. Let's say they lose the title to the Iconics. You don't hear anything about her wanting to quit. And then all of a sudden she returns on Raw as a heel. She's going to get cheered, Mm -hmm. right? Like if she were to just do the normal heel thing where she turned on Bailey or jumped Becky or did something normal, she would have got cheered because people have wanted to see that NXT Sasha for a while. So to avoid that, because she is, if she's going to be a heel, they want a heel to get booed. The way to do it, or at least they're attempting to do it, is to leak information to the media who will run with anything, especially when it comes to her, because she's very good for generating clickbait, is, hey, let's tell the people we want to tell that she's disgruntled, that she's quitting, that she doesn't like it here, that she's a whiner, 
that her and Bailey laid on the floor pouting that they lost prop belts. Um, they're, they're doing this on purpose to get the fans to not like her. So when she comes back, she'll actually get booed. Mm-hmm. Because they need a very viable heel for Becky Lynch. Mm-hmm. Which, if you look at the roster, they have Charlotte, and that's it. And I think people are kind of tired of that. Yeah, and then they um also building up with Lacey Evans, so that could be something as well in the future. They are they are building up Lacey Evans, but I think you and I can both agree that she's just not ready for the spotlight of being the number one heel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you were to do it with Alexa Bliss, you could, in a way, hurt Becky because, you know, Alexa is just naturally popular. I mean, she just is. And whether you like her or you don't like her, you think she can wrestle, she can't wrestle. She fits a very key demographic for them, young men. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to boo Alexa Bliss when you look at her. Like, it's just hard. And so if you were to put Alexa Bliss against Becky Lynch, would they split the audience? Would now Becky be hot, but they would be 50-50? So the thing with this, with, with Tasha, and, and I'm just going to whip out my phone here and read as much of the text as I'm allowed to read without kind of giving it away on who this person is. Yeah. I don't want to. Now, um, we, we spoke yeah. briefly about no. um, uh, freaking uh, Lacey Evans and whatnot. Uh, do you believe that is a good uh, first opponent for Becky Lynch if they're going to give her um, a lengthy title run with both of the belts? Mm, no, I, I think Lacey should have been down the road. I think Lacey should have been built up better. Um, I would have had her beat Natty, beat Ruby Riot, because now the Riot squad is no more. So I think Ruby's probably going to be a baby face have her beat maybe even a babyface Alexa. Like, have Lacey become like this, I don't want to say monster heel, but at least a heel that is beating a lot of people who she shouldn't beat to get to Becky Lynch. I think you throw her with... It, you could, you could, two things can happen. You put her with Becky now, which is going to happen. She, she looks terrible in the ring against Becky, and she doesn't win. What does that do for her? That hurts her. Mm-hmm. If she wins the title, she can't carry the division because she's not that good in the ring yet. So I don't know. I, I wouldn't have done it that way. So let me let me let me get you. Let me read this. Pull it up here. She has not asked for her release. Yes, she is unhappy. Yes, she is dissatisfied with her position. And she is up. She was upset that Bailey and her were booked to lose the titles rather quickly. However, all of these situations are deliberately being exaggerated for storyline purposes. She will be back as a disgruntled heel. Her time away from the company is with full permission of WWE corporate. They want her to take a break to improve her attitude, which. People in the know know she does have a little bit of an issue, but they also want this break to aid and push her storyline. WWE is very aware that her turning heel would get her cheered most likely. So 
leaking a story that she wants to ask for their release is an innovative move because they are feeding information and using dirt cheats to their benefit. This is, this is her story. I mean, I have to admit, it's very innovative. It is a different way of trying to tell a story, is using the Internet to your advantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what, they should, I mean, should, I, that's what they should have been doing all along, pretty much. I mean, I believe they do it in a, they started doing it in a, in a way to where, like, all right, uh, we'll tell such and such that this is uh, going on with this person as far as um, breaking news and shit like that for, like, the Hall of Fame stuff. Oh, TMZ just broke this and this and this. Uh, freaking E! Entertainment has just broken this, this, and this about this Hall of Famer, if you saw on and so forth. I mean, they've been doing it at a at a lower level, but I feel like they're stepping their game up if they're doing it this way. Well, I think one of the things they have figured out is if you were to do this story with Luke Harper or one of the people who have legitimately asked for their release, nobody cares. Like, Luke Harper is a really good talent, but he's 40 years old, and, you know, he's just another guy. But there are very few women wrestlers that have the following that that Sasha Banks has. And so... Charlotte, Becky, Sasha, Bailey, Alexa, Rousey, probably are the names um, that people always seem to want to talk about. So with Sasha, you know, she has more social media followers than Becky, Charlotte, Bailey, Alexa. Um, she's always consistently in the top in the merchandise department. So, so people like her. Or they don't like her, which is good, too, because if people are as diametrically opposed about her, then that is more controversy and that generates more buzz. So I know kudos to them for trying this. The only thing I fear is, are they going to be able to see this thing through? Because to me now, if this is the direction you're going in, she can't come back for a while. Mm-hmm. Like she just can't return money in the money in the bank and win the briefcase. Because then what would she have a reason to be disgruntled about? She's getting the briefcase. To me, the way that she has to do this is she has to align, at some point in the story, she has to be the foil for Becky Lynch on Raw. Or what, yeah, on Raw. Like she has to be the person Becky is chasing to take down. So she has to figure out a way, they have to figure out a way to get her the belt and then have Becky chase her. Because the one thing I've noticed with the Becky two belts is where do they go now? Yeah. Like, did you watch SmackDown? I did. So the segment where Becky's in the ring and then the Iconics come out and Bailey comes out and Amber comes out and the, the Mandy and Sonya come out and Asuka and Kyrie Singh come out, that looked very, very, very clunky. Mm-hmm. And... I didn't understand, look, so, like, Becky's in the ring, and then the tag champ's in the ring, but everybody cares about the tag belts, and nobody cared about Becky. She just kind of walked away, and nobody cared. Mm. I, I didn't understand that. It just didn't make sense to me. And then now, on Tuesday, they've already advertised that Charlotte and Becky are facing off. Why? Again? <laughs> like, how many times are we going to get this, this, this thing? 
don't know, man. Um, I, I don't know how I feel about it. It's just kind of putting both belts on one person. Kind of, um, I don't know. It, it was just for the purpose of the main event of WrestleMania. That's what it was. I mean, it would just kind of make it a even more bigger thing than um, it really initially was supposed to be because um, what the rumor was in the very beginning that it was supposed to be Charlotte and Ronda for the belt yeah what I was saying is it was actually supposed to be Charlotte against Ronda and what ended up happening is as you said Becky got super hot and then it was actually Becky versus Ronda mm-hmm. Charlotte wasn't even supposed to be in it yeah but then what ended up happening is they realized that I guess at some point in January, Ronda told, because originally it was supposed to be Ronda Rousey against Charlotte at the Royal Rumble. So the Sasha match was never supposed to happen. But what happened was, is Ronda Rousey told WWE, I'm leaving to go start a family. So then they said, well, we have to have two of our women in the main event, not just one. So they took Charlotte out of the Rumble match, put Sasha in, so Sasha could get the match with Rousey because it's one of the matches Rousey always wanted to do and that's what ended up happening but there was an original Wrestlemania plan of Natty against Ronda Rousey yeah yeah everybody's been talking about that for the longest yeah but yeah I agree Uh, what you said is correct they did the two belts thing just because they wanted to make the main event feel bigger but now they have nowhere to go there's no direction I think if anything, they can just be like, uh, you know, she getting burnt out trying to do all this stuff with both of these belts going from show to show and whatever. And eventually she just, you know, succumb to it. She lose at least one or both of the titles because she can't handle it. Yeah, I think there's also a dirty little secret about Becky Lynch, which is her wrestling in the ring has taken a significant step back. Hmm. I mean, if you you were at Mania, yeah. like you were there. She was the worst of the three in that match. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, but what? I don't know. I mean, you could correct me if I'm wrong, because like I, I, I'm in and out of television wrestling and whatnot. So it's just like mm-hmm. any time that I've seen Becky Lynch is always in some kind of multi-person type thing, is triple threat tag match or some shit like that. So I never really get to see a showcase one-on-one unless it's just like a short little squash match. But that's just me. I, well, I'm not saying it's not happening, but that's just what I've been seeing. But I, here's the thing. I don't actually blame her for not being the technical, like she's not there. Okay. There's a mixed match challenge match from two years ago or a year and a half ago where it was Bobby Roode, Becky Lynch against Finn and Sasha that match, if you just watch the part of Sasha and Becky, was unbelievable. Like, the way that they were, like, chain wrestling, fighting each other, it was it was just a joy to watch. Mm-hmm. The problem is that Becky figured something out. Becky being the brawler and trash talking is way more popular than Becky, the technical wrestler. Yeah, I mean, uh, and a lot of wrestlers wind up um, doing that. Once you find out so, the secret, so she, the key yeah. uh, key elements to being a good performer and whatnot, I mean, you can kind of 
slack down on some things because I remember once upon a time a Randy Orton would do high flying things. He would like to do splashes off the top rope and all this other crazy shit until he the, the secret was revealed to him. You know, now we get chin lock Orton and you know slow methodical pace and whatnot. And every now and then you get a cool RKO. <laughs> You look at um, you look at Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he used to be a technical wizard, and then he became the hottest thing in the world and decided to kick and punch people. So I don't blame her. Um, I think you know what she's doing works. People—that's what they want to see. That's what they're paying for and they're chanting for and buying her shirt at a pretty pretty ridiculous clip bravo to her and also i think her body is really broken down i mean she's been doing this for a long time and her style now is much less taxing on her yeah than the style that she used to work so for her i mean you're right that's what you're getting the three minute beating ruby riot in three and a half minutes arm bar that's what you're getting but you know getting back to the, the thing that we were we started the show with what do you think of using the internet like this as a fan to get your story out there and to maybe get a character kind of reaction you're trying to get rather than getting the character, the reaction through good storytellers? I mean, for, for the climate that we live in now, I think it's smart for them to do it the way they're doing it especially when you got a place like WWE when you got like a thousand people on the roster and not everybody is getting the TV time that they need or deserve so whenever a character is off television you can use these means to you know set her up or set them up for whenever they come back you know you building storylines for when they hit TV for people to be like oh yeah I read about this this and this now the person is right there in front of them they're like oh snap is this person now I like them more now I hate them more or you know they kind of you know um, queuing up their freaking um, their audience and whatnot to the way they want them to react in a way yeah because I I agree with that and I mean they've already done this and it worked mm-hmm. and people are listening to this thing what do you mean well what do they do with Brock Lesnar yeah. they had him say he doesn't care about the WWE fans and that he hates coming to work and he's just there for the money. And some of that is true, but Brock Lesnar has never hated the fans or never really down-talked them. He's just really good at negotiating and getting himself a great deal. Yeah. But, you know, he ends up getting that story and it almost worked, but if it weren't for Roman Reigns being the other guys who they didn't want to cheer... It would have worked. They would have got him booed. Yeah. See, and that, that's the thing too. Is just like you know, you take what the internet is speculating, and you uh, morph it to work for you. Yeah, because I mean, that's that's a common thing. With, you know, with your Brock Lesnar instance and whatnot, that's been a common thing throughout the internet for however long. Oh, he doesn't care about this shit. And, you know, he just comes in and makes his money, gets the hell out, yada, yada, yada. So they just took what was given to them and made it work for them storyline-wise. And if it weren't for his opponent, it would have worked. Because, like, if he was fighting Finn Balor or when he fought Seth Rollins, that's what they still told. And it worked. Yeah. You know, because you were at Mania. Oh, I yeah. feel like Seth, besides Kofi Kingston, got the loudest reaction when he won. Indeed. 
at least on TV. On TV. Oh, yeah, being there in person, you are correct. That was the second loudest of the night. Okay. Okay, so now that I got to kind of break news to you, I want you, if it's okay with you, to tell me how mania was, like from a from a being in person experience. Okay, so for me, this is the fourth one that I've been to. I went to 31, 32, uh, 34, and what is this, 35. So I've been to those. Um, out of all four of them, this has been, you know, the most fun for me personally. Uh, 31, I went by myself. It was my very first one. It was on my birthday. So it's always going to be like special because it was my first and it was on my birthday and I got a belt. <laughs> so, I mean, a lot of factors going into that one. I mean, Seth Rollins with the best cash in in WWE history, that RKO off of Orton's shoulder and all that stuff. So I was there for that and it was my first. So that, that holds a place in my heart. Uh, Dallas, um, it was cool. It was a, that was the clusterfuck one where everybody was having a hard time getting into the building. So, I mean, that was that aspect of it. And, you know, I was up and close to see Shane jump off the cell. So, I mean, that was cool. New Orleans. Um, I got stuck at the ring, the ring of honor festival all day. And then I s- sat through that whole show that whole night. And I was drained as fuck for mania the next day in the Superdome. But that was kind of redeemed in the fact that I got to sit next to Aunt uh, freaking Cody and uh, Nick Giacobbe and all them and just have fun, yell at the Undertaker, show my dismay and be upset and shit that he was fucking there. And then uh, here we are, New York. Never been furthest up north that I've ever been. Um, the city, to me, it was just... Um, different from anything that I've ever been in. So that was a, a, a freaking experience in itself. Being that um, I was in the New Jersey area, I got to see so many people that I used to serve with in the military that I didn't know that lived there. So I got to hang out with some of my friends. Then I got to podcast with um, a, a freaking podcast that I thoroughly enjoy. I got to podcast with them in person and whatnot. So that was cool. But the event itself, just the atmosphere surrounding everything, the way it kicked off, not the pre-show, but like the actual show proper with uh, Brock losing, it kind of set the tone for the rest of the night. I mean, of course, they had a couple of slow moments as far as, um, you know, Triple H, Batista. It was still enjoyable, but the crowd wasn't so-so into it. I guess they was expecting a more grandiose entrance from Triple H. Um Corbin Angle, another one of those uh, type things. But, I mean, it was great. Um, what else? Um, there was another match in there that was kind of blah, but it's escaping me right now. But other than that, I mean, they were rocking the whole night. Fucking Kobe. I was about to say Kobe. <laughs> Kofi winning that belt. That was like the highlight of freaking. That's That's if you hear the internet talking about this is one of the best Wrestlemanias in the past 10 years or ever or whatever it's because solely of that Kofi Kingston win in my opinion and just you know the 
how quickly Brock was freaking uh, discarded and whatnot. Those two things made this WrestleMania like amongst the top ones. And um, I can tell you personally how I felt. Like before the Kofi match, I went out to concession to use the bathroom and get some food and whatnot. And nobody was at the freaking merchandise table. I was there alone. Nobody was around. I went over there. I seen the Kofi shirt, the against all odd one. And I was just like, let me get that. So I got it. Lady gave it to me in the clear plastic bag. And I went out. The match was getting ready to start. And through the whole match, man, I'm holding this thing like I'm five years old. I'm clutching it in my arms. I'm just like, I'm, I'm f- eating every goddamn near fall. I'm like, no, they can't fuck Kofi like this. It's just like, it was so fucking emotional. And damn, when he won... I'm sitting there, like I said, like a little kid just clutching this damn shirt in my arms. I'm jumping up and down like a little kid. And it was just fucking amazing. So, out of the four that I've been to, this has by far been the best WrestleMania that I've ever been to. And I didn't get caught up in all that traffic bullshit after the fact. We got in. The thing let out at uh, 1230. Uh, Becky won the belt. We walked out. Ran to the car. And we was in the hotel room eating Taco Bell by damn one fifteen. <laughs> How did you guys get out of there? So- see, see that that's the thing. People, all those people that was stuck out there or whatever, they were waiting for someone to come there and pick them up. We had a car there, so we got to the car and we got the fuck out of there. So I mean, that's how that was. Okay, I I, <laughs> I get that, but. I'm saying, like, even if you had a car there, wouldn't it have been hard to get out? Like I said, Becky won three count. I stayed long enough to see her celebrate with the belt. The fireworks went off, and we were stepping. Mm -hmm. We fucking went. Okay, so so really what it was is you probably beat the traffic because more people took ride share or the train than they brought their own car because they didn't want to pay for parking. Yeah. And because of that, you were able to get out of there, yeah. get into the Taco Bell drive-through, and get to the hotel. <laughs> exactly. Because the thing okay. about it is, if you had a car, but you chose to do Uber or whatever the case may be, because, I mean, you're thinking responsibly. I'm going to go there. I'm going to get trash, shit face. I'm going to drink all the alcohol they got in the building, and I don't want to have to worry about driving home. That was smart of you. But, I mean, realistically, if you wasn't going to do something like that, it would have been in your best interest to drive the car, because I think... Parking may have been forty dollars, but I heard, yeah, yeah, but you would have Ubered out there for forty dollars, and you would have Ubered back for forty dollars. But there was there were Ubers that there were people whose Ubers cost them like two hundred bucks that night. Oh well, see, look at that because (laughs) right because what ended up happening is New New Jersey Transit only runs until twelve o'clock unless you get permission from the state to extend it. And the WWE didn't ask them. So they shut off the ride share, I think at 1230, um, the train and the bus or whatever. So I think the Uber price went through the roof. The Lyft price went through the roof. Um, I mean, I've heard so many different podcasts about this topic. So I watched it on TV Mm -hmm. and I don't think it was the best WrestleMania ever. But what I will say is it was the one that gave you most of, of the what you endings wanted. that you yeah. wanted. 
Yeah, I can agree with that. So, Seth, Seth winning the belt, everybody wanted that. Yeah. Becky winning, everybody wanted that. Kofi winning, everybody wanted that. And and here's the thing, and, and I argue with people, because, you know, we we're talking about at the beginning of the show. On TV, to me, when the Iconics won, they got a humongous reaction. And they did. Like, he, okay, so because what I said to people is, remember, it's an international crowd. Okay? It's international. There are people from Australia. There are people from England. There are people from New Zealand there. There are flags. I saw them. And, I mean, I think Sasha and Bailey are always going to get a reaction because they're very popular and people like them. Mm-hmm. But if they were going to lose the titles at Mania, that was the team to lose to because... I gotta be honest, the Iconics felt like the most over team in that match in that crowd. Mm. I'm not saying that in a random house show in Moline, Illinois, the Iconics are gonna get more cheers than Sasha and Bailey. They're not. But in that environment, they seem to be the most over team on the tel- on television to me. I mean, and yeah, they got they got the ovation. They got the freaking applause. Anytime they came to the ring and whatnot, I mean, it was cheers. It was never booze. They, they, because they're very entertaining. They're very good-looking. They're two good-looking women. Very good. I mean, in Peyton's case, you know, really good-looking. I mean, Billy's really good-looking, too. They're both really good-looking women, and they're very entertaining, and they're funny, and people like that. And that crowd international crowd likes them because they're, they, they relate to them. And the other thing that really came across on the screen to me in that match, and I, by the way, I thought that was the worst match on the whole show, but mm-hmm. um, oh, actually Corbin Angle was the worst. But okay, yeah. after Corbin Angle, the, the women's tag, which I was actually looking forward to, and I thought they, they worked hard. But man, Sasha and Bailey they had their work cut out for them in that match, trying to carry everybody through it. But and Beth looked really good, too. Yes. Uh, anyway, getting back to it, when the Iconics won, they genuinely had this reaction of happiness because they are lifelong partners. They are a team in real life. Like, they grew up together, high school, elementary school. Yeah. So when they won and they started to cry, I felt that on the screen. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt I was happy for them. Like, I didn't boo because my favorite and her partner lost, I was happy for the Iconics. I really was. So even if that's the one, uh, I don't get that decision. To that crowd, it was the right decision. Yeah. It was the right decision. Yeah. So um, to me, here, here's what I will tell you. It was way too long. And I felt so bad for all of you guys there. Because seven and a half hours, man, that's, that's a really long time, don't you think? Yeah, it is. But like me personally, I can only speak for me. You know, it kind of flew by in a way. You know, when it got to what I forget what point it was, because we was all sitting there like, oh, man, it's the last one. It's like, wait a minute. No, they still got Angle. They still got damn Roman. They still got (laughs) freaking, uh, you know. I remember I did I did something like that where I didn't even realize that Triple H, Batista, Finn Balor, and Bo- I forgot about Bobby Lashley and Finn Balor. Yeah, that too. Like I was, I literally was like, oh my god, this match is still there. What are they doing? So, 
Yeah, that's what it was for us. It was just like we we were there so long and we got all these cool moments and everything. We just forgot about all the other matches because, I mean, all the, all the ones that we forgot about, for real, for real, Bala and goddamn Lashley, which, you know, for the life of me, I wanted to see the demon entrance or whatever, you know, and it, that was sticking out in my mind, but I f- totally fucking forgot about that match. Uh, Kurt and goddamn Corbin, I did not give a shit about. Uh, Batista and Triple H did not give a shit about. Um, what was the other one? Goddamn Roman and uh, McIntyre. What you were saying about you know the international flavor, people coming in from all over the world and whatnot. They had two guys from Scotland that was two rows in front of us, and they were there for McIntyre. They had kilts on and everything. They was just like signs screaming. They were ready for him. <laughs> Okay, uh, Triple H Batista. On TV, it felt like nobody cared in the crowd. Was no, that true? This is true. It was like... Okay. It was quiet. It was like... I mean, I mean, it was quiet in the sense to where, like, it wouldn't... You know, everybody wasn't doing the boo, yay, and all the other reactions that you would get from a typical match. It was just like... All right, get this shit over with. I mean, the only time they really got hype was for the nose ring spot... Um, the wrench thing. That was great. And then um, Batista tripping on the ropes, getting in the ring. <laughs> that was fucking hilarious. That was funny. That was hilarious, man. Then he got what? it. Then he went. He uh, went back outside and tried to do his entrance again, getting back into the ring. But um, they already transitioned the Triple H Triple H's entrance. So if they tried to edit that part out, it wouldn't look right. Because. <laughs> The other question I have for you is, do you think looking at the reactions that the two matches got, Kofi should have been the main event? Yes, wholeheartedly. And everybody in there in attendance that, you know, we were around. I'm not going to say everybody, but they they felt the same way. Because, I mean, it could have ended after Kofi won. And, like, everybody could have just picked up and went the fuck home. Honestly, after Kofi won, I thought it did end. Yeah, I know. And that's what it felt like. We was like, oh, shit. Yeah, we still got all these other matches left. Because, <laughs> I mean, you get... So- I just thought the way the, the crowd went so crazy for him. He brought his family into the ring. He did all this awesome stuff that for me, man, as a wrestling fan, I, like, I felt it. You know, I've watched this product for God knows how long. And other than The Rock... They've never, I mean, they've never had a true African-American WWE champion. Yes, they've had the Mark Henry's and the Booker T's and the Bobby Lash. Like, they've had people win other world titles, but they've never had a African-American person win the WWE title except for The Rock, and The Rock is so multi- cultural yeah. that you forget sometimes he is African American. Mm-hmm. So it's like to me as a fan, I felt the Kofi thing so much that I kind of wanted it to end right there. Yeah. Like to me, I thought if they ended it with Kofi, I'd have been totally okay with it. Like I'd have been like, okay, cool. Kofi, Kofi won main event. I thought the Becky Ronda Charlotte match was such a letdown because they had that amazing brawl on Monday night before with the police 
Yeah. Like that brawl was great. And the match just didn't live up to my expectations because it felt like they were, I don't want to say they weren't rushed because they got a lot of time. Yeah. But there was just something about that match that didn't click for me. It it almost kind of felt like we, we we here we got the spot no matter what and you know we'll just do what we need to do to get this done. Yeah, that I mean, yeah, it had that. Yeah, that's that's a good way of putting it. That's a good way of putting it. That it was like the, the accomplishment was getting the main event spot, not yeah. wrestling like it was the main event. Yeah. Yeah, this this kind of felt to me. It was just like, I mean, oh well, I mean, we got the spot, so I mean, ain't shit you can do about it. <laughs> but I mean, still, I mean, Kofi got, yeah, yeah, but still, it's just like we talked about it m- many times before this moment, to where you know I went from being on the pipe bomb with McCool and Company saying that a woman's main event it won't come within the next five or ten years. And then I quickly retracted not too long after that, maybe two years later, saying that, you know, it'll come within five years. And then maybe even a, almost a, less than a year after that, I've retracted again and said that if they're going to do it, this is the year that they're going to do it. Because, I mean, the, the way WWE has been, you know, most recently with the women's stuff is just like, let's knock out all these firsts so we don't have to hear no complaints about motherfuckers not being able to do this, 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 and this, and this, and this. So we gave you what you want. Now I don't want to hear about this shit no more. To, to me, WrestleMania should be, the main event should be the match that has the most buzz, mm-hmm. the best story, the hottest angle. And up until Kofi they had it. It was the women. The yep. women were the hottest thing. They should have main evented. But the last month of the Becky build yeah. was so awful that it took away from it to me. Yeah. It was awful. Like, they had Becky weasel her way into the main event yeah. that she already earned because she won the Rumble. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't make any sense. No. <sighs> I know it was fucking weird. <laughs> just just to think back on it and everything. She won the Rumble. She had a guaranteed match and then they fucked out of it and then she had to get back into it some way. And the way she got back into it was Ronda Rousey, her arch nemesis, punched Charlotte, to got get- Charlotte disqualified so Becky could get in so then Becky ends up getting in and beating Ronda for the belt. So that makes Ronda look really stupid. Yeah. Like, that... why would the person who, remember at the time, Charlotte didn't have a belt. Yeah. So at the time it was like, why would Ronda punch Becky or punch Becky to get Charlotte the loss so she could defend her title against two women where she doesn't even have to take the pin to lose her belt. It's just like they they, they over they overthought uh, they overthought that storyline, and it hurt them. Mm-hmm. And I felt like the reason they didn't screw Kofi up is they didn't have enough time to screw it up. <laughs> it was too fresh. Yeah. Well, I mean, with the Kofi like, thing, you what, gave you gave them another two months, they would have screwed it up. Yeah. Because with the Kofi thing, it was just like <laughs> they had enough and they didn't have enough. You know, to your point or whatever. So, all right, they had. 
enough time to get Kofi there, but at the same time, they had to stretch what they had to get him to where they wanted it. So he had to go through a gauntlet. Then he had the elimination chamber. Yep. Then he had to go through another gauntlet. Then they had a tag gauntlet. So they, you know, it was a lot of shit to get him to where he was eventually already going to be. I think they did a really good job of, this is what I'll give them credit for, for WrestleMania 35. They listened to their fans with the endings. Mm-hmm. Like, if Kofi didn't win, that would have been a disaster. Yes, I believe it. But he won. It, if Rollins would have lost, fine. You know, it's Brock Lesnar. It's to be expected. If uh, uh, Becky would have lost, yes. you know, to be expected. You know, Char- if Charlotte would have won, whatever the case may be, you know, to be expected. No, I, th- I think if Charlotte had won, I think people would have got wrong, gone crazy. I think people would have been pissed. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't but think I think they if Ronda been... won, because she's a special attraction, mm-hmm. I think people would have been mad, but they could have seen it. Because it's kind of like Brock, right? Like, yeah. with Brock, you never know. Until he loses, you don't know if he's actually going to lose. Yeah, that's true. But, like, if Becky did lose or Charlotte did win, I don't think they would have been as mad as if Kofi would have lost. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, Kofi needed to win above any other match on that card. <laughs> Everybody that yeah, you want, Kofi has to win. Yeah, anybody that you wanted to win on that whole card could have lost, except for Kofi. <laughs> yeah, and and you know what? When he won, and and I gotta say, man, Daniel Bryan was so. Good. I mean, they were both great in that match. That was just that was by far mm-hmm. the best match on the card. It wasn't even close. Mm-hmm. Like you know what match I really liked after that one? The SmackDown tag match. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you, I love that match. <laughs> let me tell you though, it was funny because, like, like I told you, I bought that Kofi shirt and then I wore it the day after. You know, I wore it home, and um, I'm going to LaGuardia. You know, I'm going through the check and everything. I got the shirt on, got the belt in my arms, and the dude was like, uh, and you know, I told the story already, but I, I just wanted to share with you. Dude was like, "Oh, you went to the show?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah, it was good." He's like, I'm glad Kofi won. I was like, yeah, me too, man. And he's like, Daniel Bryan just came through here uh, about two, three minutes ago. And I was just like, oh, cool. You know, you know, in my mind, it's like if he was here, he probably long gone by now. Right. So I go in, you know, I check my I go to the gate to see where I'm at. You know, I'll go around forge for some food and everything. And I'm walking back to my terminal. Lo and behold, Daniel Bryan coming out of the bathroom. So I see him from a distance and damn, uh, you know, people going up to him, shaking his hand and everything. And here I am with this bright blue ass Kofi against all odds shirt on. <laughs> and uh, I see him and he look up and he see me. He We lock eyes and he look down at my shirt. Then he like you make this face. I mean, it's not like anger or anything like that, but it was just like this guy. <laughs> and I look at him and I'll just I put my hands up and I'm like, sorry, man. <laughs> Then you know he kind of chuckled and he walked away, and that was my Daniel Bryan experience. <laughs> but I bet you there isn't a person who's more happy for Kofi Kingston than Daniel Bryan. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I believe that because I mean he he was in the situation because, that he was in you know years previous. Exactly, it's the same. It's the Daniel Bryan story. Just the funniest. The irony is Daniel Bryan was the antagonist. Yeah, but that's his story. Mm-hmm. The Becky Lynch story is Daniel Bryan's story. Yeah, it's just 
for once, Daniel Bryan was the authority. You know, he got to be the bad guy, and he was great. And you know what? The reason I think Daniel Bryan is the best overall performer in WWE is he was the most popular guy, and he turned the crowd against him. Mm-hmm. That's a great professional wrestler. Yeah, man. I mean, and his promos are great, and the way he, you know, he interacts with the crowd, he's great. Yeah, and, and like in the beginning, and I'm. Like in the beginning with his first turn and whatnot, uh, like when he first turned to what he currently was, it was like, I didn't get it at first, but like shortly thereafter, I was just like, I didn't shit on it at all. I was just like, this is something different. This is something that I'm not used to. So, you know, I, I dig it. <laughs> hey, he's great. No, it's just, man, the Kofi Daniel Bryan match just took me on such a high. You know, I'm watching the match, you know, my wife and, a couple others are here watching WrestleMania and my wife is just like, because she, she like, she doesn't watch it week to week, but she'll ask me like, okay, what's going on. And then one day, I think it was like three weeks before WrestleMania, she came over, she goes, what's going on with Kofi Kingston? I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, I was on Twitter and there's this Kofi mania thing trending. Like what's going on with that? I said, well, Kofi Kingston is going to be in the main event at WrestleMania or in the, the world title match. She's like, he is? I'm like, yeah. And she goes, is the, new, are they, is the New Day still a thing? And I'm like, yeah. And she goes, so how did this happen? And I kind of walked her through how he got so over. And she's like, oh. And she goes, and, and he's going to get cheered over Daniel Bryan? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I think he's going to be the most cheered person in WrestleMania. And she's like, oh, okay. And then she watches it with me. She's like, oh, my God. Like, this was so awesome. Like, the family, the wife, the kids. You know, the way Michael Cole, um, you know, called the match or Tom Phillips called the match. And, you know, it's just, she's just like, man, this is great. And then we watched the Becky thing and she was interested in that match. Like that was the match she wanted to watch. She's like, I got to see the women main event. I got to see how Becky's going to win. And she was kind of like, eh, mm-hmm. kind of a letdown. <laughs> like the yeah. crowd. And I think the crowd is very tired. On TV, it felt like when Becky won, they're like, great, you won. I'm getting the hell out of here. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how it was for um, us. <laughs> but she was just like, I feel like, she was like, I feel like Becky was more over at Survivor Series when she, <clears throat> when she had the bloody nose. Mm-hmm. Did it feel like that way to you? Yeah, I think from that time up until, uh-huh. you know, she got the three count and everything, it, it, it's been a decline. You know, people still excited for her to win. You know, I think they would have preferred her to win out of the three. But it was just, you know, it's a steady decline. Were you there for the the pre-show? Yes, I was there for the whole thing. That cruiserweight match was really good. Yes, it was. And I was glad that Tony Nese won. Okay. I have yet to still watch the Women's Battle Royal. Was it good? It was okay. It was quick. Um, the crowd was really into um, Carmella winning. So, and they, you know, there was kind of because Sarah Logan was the one that she threw out to win, and the whole build up to her being in that spot right there at the end. You know, they weren't against it, but it was kind of like you know, wow, we didn't expect to see that coming. <laughs> What's the other match I wanted to ask you your opinion on? It's just uh, oh, Shane McMahon, Miz. Oh, they was they loved it because it was it was fun. They were in the crowd. They was all over the place or whatever. 
I mean, it was just like a whole. It was like a roller coaster with that. It was it was a whole bunch of ups and downs and whatnot. But um, they were pissed that he won, uh, Shane, because like it was like yeah yeah oh we excited this is fun and he won after that uh, suplex spot and everybody's like <laughs> they let all I the air out the balloon. Didn't really, I I didn't like AJ and Randy Orton. Well, I could, and going I, in, I thought that match was going to steal the show. Well, I couldn't see AJ and Randy Orton because uh, oh, you were part of the <laughs> you were part of the problem with the light. Yeah, it was like directly like from the the ramp straight on into the crowd because that's where I was dead center straight on them lights. Wow! Wow! Yeah, then that shit was. I annoying. did not. You couldn't even see the um like they had the screens above the ring and to the sides from where we were sitting. And you could barely see those because something was up with them because it was like extra dim. And then the lights being so bright, it made them even dimmer. So it was kind of hard to see the match, period. And then if you could see a screen, the light was shining from under the screen into your face. So you kind of got like the little spots in front of your eyes and shit. So you you couldn't see any of it. Like you couldn't like you couldn't make out the two guys. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that is. Yeah, it's like I could I can figure out what was going on, but the light was just it was almost like a cloud over them or whatever. I could see figures in the ring moving around or whatever, but I couldn't really enjoy it because the light was in my fucking face. <laughs> I got the video of it on um the Wrestling is Trash Instagram if you want to peek at it. But like it's hard. Um, I think I think I did I think it was yours that I might have seen it on, and then I saw. But then Randy Orton himself talked about it. Mm-hmm. Well, did you see him the night after when he came out um, on SmackDown or whatever, and he did the RKO on what? Who was it? Mustafa Ali. And then when he left the ring yeah. to go up the ramp, he was putting his hands in front of his face. He's like, "Ah, oh, this lights are so bright, I can't see." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought the Battle Royal was stupid the men's one yeah it was the only cool thing about it and the scariest part about it was damn luke harper and um what's his face they did that suplex on the apron and braun kicked him off to the fucking floor yeah that was fucking scary that was dangerous yeah that was that was dangerous mustafa ali yeah yeah there it is that was freaking scary man and i was just like oh and then he kind of smacked his face on the um the announce table when they hit the ground. I will say this. <laughs> Alexa Bliss was phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, holy... I, I agree. Oh, last last question about WrestleMania. Hogan. Were you upset that he got such a reaction? Dude, literally. You know, I went there with my friends and, um, both Caucasian males and I'm and I'm sitting there and uh, you know she do her build up and everything and I'm trying to figure out in my mind who could this possibly be that come out she do the finger snap and that screen turned yellow with them red letters and the fucking arena erupted my white friends next to me stood up they like yeah and I'm just sitting there still in my seat like are you fucking kidding me <laughs> And they was like, and then they looking right? down, they looking down at me in the chair, like, my bad. <laughs> but that's the thing, like, I when when she snapped her fingers and I heard the uh, 
real American music. I'm so anti-Hogan now from the standpoint of like, I'll go back and watch like, because I was a huge, you know, Macho Man's my favorite. Yeah. And a lot of the best stuff with Hogan was with Macho Man. Mm-hmm. So I'll go back and I'll watch that stuff from the 80s and the 90s. And I'll give him his due. Like, okay, he was great. Like, he was a great baby face. He was a great heel. Um, not the best wrestler, but certainly knew how to have a good match when he needed to. You know, I was there. I was in, you know, I, I saw the match with him and The Rock in person mm-hmm. um, live. I saw him against the Warrior. I've seen a lot of Hogan matches in my life, and and I always will respect what he did for the business. But now, after that tape leaked, and I and I heard how he really feels, because like when you listen to that, that's hate. Mm-hmm. That's not like, oh, I don't want my my white daughter to date a black man. It was like that was that sounded like a very very hateful guy. Now. There are a lot of black wrestlers who have come out, Stevie Ray, Booker T, um, Samoan wrestlers who used to travel with Hogan. Mm-hmm. And they say, you know what? Hogan is, an, Hogan is not a racist. He never was a racist. It's just it hit home when, you know, his daughter was dating a black man. And I'm like, yeah, but okay. The reason I can't, I can't buy into that is because what it tells me is that you're okay to do all these things, but you're not good enough to date my daughter. So you, you do have some, you do have racial prejudice. And so when, when the music hit, I just kind of stood there like, Oh, really? In the, in, in, on the night, Kofi Kingston is going to win the WWE title. You had to bring this guy. Like you couldn't, like, I mean, I get it. You can't get the rocks. You can't get Austin. Okay, great. But like, Goldberg, um, you know, um, what about like, I don't know. I'm trying to think like Bret Hart. I don't know. Like I was just Shawn Michaels. Like what if Shawn Michaels was the one who came out and he posed with her before he went to do commentary for a match? Yeah. I don't know. It just holding, it just, it just didn't sit well with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I looked. I, I was looking specifically in the crowd, and I have to admit, man, I saw a lot of the black fans there, and they were cheering for him. Mm-hmm. Now, some of them were. Yeah, no, I mean, the whole thing with what he said and whatnot. I kind of feel it at in a certain point because, like, all right, my mom, black lady. High yellow black lady. Mm-hmm. So you know, if you look at my mom, you can you might assume that she was a white lady. So my mom okay. was born in the forties. My father was born in the thirties. You know, they old as fuck. So they've been through a lot of shit. You know, with the change in times and whatnot. And I can mm-hmm. remember before I left to join the military, or um, sometime before. You know, sometime maybe even a little bit before that, we had a conversation. My me and my mom. You know, because it was I, I was a young man. I was getting into girls and all kind of shit like that. And she was like, I don't care who you date as long as you don't bring a white woman into my house. So I was like, oh, shit, mom. God damn. And now this and also this was coming from a lady who lived through all that stuff in her life. You know, segregation, all this other bullshit. And I'm just like. 
you know, up until that point, until she said those words to me, my mama never, ever, you know, preached any of that stuff to me. She was she she was never like, you know, you can't trust white people. You can't do this and all this other stuff like that. You know, she she never pushed that on me. I mean, I was aware of certain things, but she never really pushed that on me. I mean, she brought me to places to play with white kids and, you know, all these different places where majority white people are. I mean, it's she never said anything like that up until that point. And I was just like, wow. <laughs> so him saying what he said, I kind of get it. But at the same time, fuck that dude. <laughs> no. And you know what though? But there's a way to say it. So mm-hmm. just like you, you know, I'm, I'm Indian. My wife is Hispanic. So right there, you know, there's, that's an interracial marriage. And um, I always dated women of other ethnicities other than Indian. In fact, I think I only dated two Indian women in my life. Mm-hmm. So I had black girlfriends. I had what I had a half black, half white girlfriend. So it's not completely white. But the point is, my dad would always tell me this, but in a much more civilized manner. He'd be like, "Son, you're going to do what you're going to do because if you love somebody." You're going to marry them whether I tell you not to or not. Because exactly. this generation, and, and this is what he said, he goes, this generation doesn't have as much respect for their parents' opinion as my generation. So I'm just going to tell you this. I want you to have friends of all races. I want you to have white friends, black friends, Chinese friends, mm-hmm. Asian, um, Hispanic friends. Because I want you to learn how every culture, you know, does things because you'll be a better person for it. You'll yeah. be more well-versed. Mm-hmm. But I would prefer you to only have the person in your bedroom be an Indian woman. Mm-hmm. Prefer. Yeah. But he never, he never used racial epitaphs in describing the other races. He just said, as an Indian man who, like your dad, was born you know, late 30s, early 40s, I prefer it. Yeah. I prefer it. Mm-hmm. But you're going to do what you're going to do. Exactly. But I prefer this. So, you know, and then in my family, my uncle in Arizona, his wife is white Irish. Uh, my cousin, his wife is white. I have like four family members who are like American white from my cousin marrying them. So I have interracial stuff in my, in my family. But the, what, the way Hogan, what he said, how he said it. And then the other thing that drove me crazy about his whole thing is when he spoke to the whole WWE locker room, yeah. when they let him back into the company, and you know you have a Kofi Kingston there, you have, you have New Day there, you have Sasha Banks there. And you know, at, at, at some point, these two acts were your hottest things in the whole company. Forget about white or, you know, they were, they were that. Mm -hmm. And you're addressing them and you're Hogan and you're saying, don't get caught saying this stuff on tape. That was my mistake. Mm -hmm. He never said, I'm sorry. I'm truly sorry. I didn't realize that my words hurt so much. It was man, I was such an idiot for not knowing that people would, break my trust. So what you're saying is you're mad. You got caught. You're not really mad or upset that you said, you're not sorry. You said those things. You're sorry. You got caught. Yeah. And look, 
I under Hulk Hogan is a 60 year old white man who grew up in Florida. He probably has some opinions about people of other races mm-hmm. that, you know, um, are a little outdated. Um, I think if we were to put a lie detector test on Rick, like I know Rick Flair is in videos with Migos now and he's cool and, all the rappers love him and they love his swag, but I have a feeling Ric Flair is probably not the most racially friendly person either. 60s, Carolina, Minnesota. Um, you know, I, I, I'm just saying yeah. the WWE doesn't need to bring Hulk Hogan back in 2019 when they had the most they had the quickest, one of the quickest WrestleMania sellouts of all time. They made a lot of money at that event. Number most merchandise ever sold at a, at a, at a WWE event. Number two for box office behind the Dallas show. I, they didn't need Hogan. The show sold itself. Mm-hmm. Kofi, Becky, Rollins, people were happy. They were in a good mood. I didn't see the point to bringing this guy out. And you know what? Honestly, like, I like Alexa Bliss. Like, I don't think she's a good wrestler, mm-hmm. but I love, like, her character. Yeah. And to have her pose and do that stuff, it's like, is she comfortable doing that stuff? Because her best friend is, you know, one of her best friends is Amber Moon, mm-hmm. and her other best friend is Nia Jax. And it's like, I mean, you know, Alexa Bliss's second best friend is Amber Moon. How does Amber Moon feel about that? How does Amber Moon feel that her friend has to go up there and, and do this pose, like, I don't know. It just seemed very, very forced. And, mm-hmm. I mean, the crowd popped for him, but was it worth it? Like, do you want to alienate a percentage of your fans when you're already losing fans at an alarming rate to begin with? Like, do you really need to do it? So I didn't like it. I didn't cheer for it. I didn't even, I barely moved. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it's kind of like watching Hogan speak at the Hall of Fame. Did you look at the New Day's reaction when he was speaking? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I didn't so, watch the Hall of that's Fame. That's so I was like, <laughs> yeah, but still. So, did you stay for the Raw or did you go home for Mania? I went home. After Mania. Okay, gotcha. And after watching that Raw, you didn't miss anything either. Yeah. I did not. <laughs> so you ranked your WrestleManias. You said 35, 31, 34, and 32. Is that the, the four? Yeah, I, I would put. It, I would say it that way. I, I would probably put 32 above 34, maybe. I had to, Really? I had, you know, it just, there was other circumstances surrounding it you know, behind the scenes of that, that I, that kind of made it a shitty trip, but everything that I highlighted beforehand, you know, it was, it was worth it. It was fun. But. Oh, 30, 34 is uh Reigns Lesnar, right? That was the main event. Yeah. Which 34 me, wasn't good. Which me and, and uh, Nick and Co- Cody was in the, Telling people to shut the fuck up the whole time. <laughs> okay, so I would admit 34 wasn't good. I think if I'm not, if I remember, I like two matches on 34. Mm-hmm. Charlotte Oscar 
and I really like the Rousey, Kurt Angle, yeah. Stephanie Triple H match. Mm-hmm. Okay. I hated 32. I hated it because when Sasha didn't win the belt, it just ruined the whole night for me. I hated 32 yeah. with such a passion because every person who the crowd liked lost. Mm-hmm. It was like the exact opposite of 35. <laughs> yeah. Like the crowd wanted AJ to win, Jericho won. The crowd wanted Kevin Owens, Kevin Owens or Sami Zayn to win, and it was Zack Ryder. The crowd wanted Sasha to win, and it was Charlotte. Mm-hmm. You know, the crowd um, wanted, I can't remember, the crowd wanted Dean Ambrose to win, and it was Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. You know, the crowd, everything the crowd wanted, they got the opposite of. I hated that show. But I've been to four WrestleManias as well, so I'll rank mine for you. So number one for me, WrestleMania X8. Mm-hmm. Uh, or sorry, yeah, X8. Hogan Rock. Unbelievable. I don't even know what happened on the... The rest of the show wasn't that good. It was not a good show. Mm-hmm. But that one match was enough to make it a great WrestleMania. Yeah. Number two, WrestleMania 6. Hogan versus Warrior. As a kid, it was something I never thought. Like, it's just being at a WrestleMania when I was that young, I was like, oh my God, I'm at a WrestleMania. Like, it's in my home city. And Hogan Warrior, the crowd was split. It's the first time, I think, ever at a WrestleMania where the crowd was split. Mm-hmm. And the other reason I loved WrestleMania 6 is because I was there is it kind of opened my eyes to the business. Um, so there was a match on that card. It was Hacksaw Jim Duggan against Dino Bravo. Hacksaw Jim Duggan comes out chance USA. Dino Bravo is Canadian. Mm-hmm. Hacksaw Jim Duggan, when I was in that crowd, was saying, USA, he's getting booed out of the building. People are booing him. I, went, I got the VHS tape 30 days later, and I'm like... Why are they cheering Hacksaw Jim Duggan? I was in this crowd. Mm-hmm. They were booing him. Oh, you can edit sound. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know that. Um, and then the other WrestleMania that I went to, which probably from an in-ring standpoint was better than the... the uh, 32 is the worst, but the third favorite WrestleMania is I went to WrestleMania 24 in Orlando which was Ric Flair's last match yeah, against Shawn Michaels, which was amazing. Dig and that. Edge versus Undertaker was great, too. Um, but from an in-ring standpoint, it was probably the best WrestleMania I ever went to. It's just, you know, Hogan Rock was just like, I, I, it was just like superhero stuff to me. It was just like, what the hell? Like Hulk Hogan is fighting The Rock? Mm-hmm. Like, this can actually happen? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt um, most recently with Cena and The Rock. I was like, what? You didn't go to that one, though, right? No, nah, I didn't go to that one. But, yeah, man. Um, will you be partaking in 36? So, 36 is in Tampa. Mm-hmm. I think I will be. I think I am going to go to 36. I I really wanted to go to this one, actually. Like, I really wanted to go to this one. Like, this was the one that I was like, if I'm going to sit seven and a half hours, this is the one I would do because I felt like I was going to get both of the right endings. Yeah. Um, 36, 
I wonder if are they going to do the two day thing? Probably not next year. But the whole thing that everybody been talking about and speculating about how it should be a two day event. Well, there's 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 two reasons they're thinking about doing it that way. Number one, people are complaining about the length of the show. Mm-hmm. Number two, if WrestleMania were to happen, as I say, they were to go Friday SmackDown is on Fox now. They go NXT Takeover Friday, mm-hmm. and they do the Hall of Fame on Friday. Then on Saturday they do WrestleMania you hurt the other competitors because now new Japan isn't going to get the crowd. They were going to get mm-hmm. because new Japan sold out in New York because it's, because it's Saturday yeah. and you need something to do before WrestleMania. So now wouldn't you be hurting your competition, which Vince doesn't have any problem doing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I want two day WrestleMania because then it gets to that whole point of, Oh, so you're not important enough because you're on the first day compared to the second day. Like I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, how do you feel? I mean, it's no different from um, what any of these other companies do. They have like, um, mm-hmm. isn't the freaking um, what's that uh, what's that damn tournament they do? Like the G one is multiple days. I mean, that, that's a different instance, but still, G one is multiple days. Yeah. Uh, was um the bola bo- 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 Battle of Los Angeles, isn't it yep. like three days or something like that? P- PWG. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, there's many companies that use that format. And then, you know, they can, they can stand to yeah, but- maybe make a little more profit that day. And then they can stand to make a little bit less. Because, like, all right, if you got this match I really want to see on night two, well, fuck night one. I just want to go see night two. And vice versa, so on and so forth, or whatever. So I don't know. Well, I mean, here's the thing though: like Bola PWG, that's in front of 400 people. Logistically, it's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas with WrestleMania, um, you're right. Like you have one ex- one less day to get your set design correct. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know. Uh, <sighs> I don't know how I feel. I, I, I don't mind it, but I kind of feel like WrestleMania needs to be the one Sunday in April mm-hmm. and that's it. Yeah. Because, I mean, just you bringing up that point about the set design, so you're going to have the same set the freaking both days and everything, you know? And then you kind of got like, all right, you used up the pyro all this night. I mean, it's not going to be as special on the second night. Um, fucking you're going to really have to split that card down really well. So you're going to, it's like you're putting on two back-to-back WrestleManias or are you going to do a SmackDown WrestleMania night A or Raw WrestleMania night B? You know, it's just, fuck all that. Because <laughs> being in there in the mix, you being there for, us being there for seven hours, it didn't feel like that to me. You know, I was just like, I was... I was enthralled. I was like into what was going on. I think out of the whole time, I think I got up maybe three or four times to pee and eat, you know? So that's it. It, it felt like seven and a half hours watching it on TV when, and I remember I'm two hours behind East coast time. So for whatever, 1230 to 1030 year. And I'm, like I said, I'm watching after Kofi won. I kind of like, like, Man, everything else I was eh, okay until the main event. 
And I'm here like, oh, main event's coming. Oh, my God. Where's Lashley? And where's... Oh, I got to ask this. How was the reaction of the Doctor of Thugonomics? Oh, man. It was... All right, so first of all, people being there in attendance, if they were paying attention, they knew it was Cena. Because um, kind of like how they did on um, Raw this past week to where Rude and goddamn Gable was in the ring and they flashed the Usos name tag on the bottom. Mm-hmm. They did that with uh, Cena uh, that night. So we were sitting in there uh-huh. and um, the little banners that go around the stadium, the little small LED screens, for a moment they flashed the chain yeah, gang. Yeah, yeah. They flashed the chain gang logo up there. And like I didn't see it personally, but the dude that I was with, he's like, "Oh man, they showed the chain gang symbol up there on the, um, the LED screens." It was after some uh, freaking promo package or whatever. And then, um, so we kind of knew, and we was all we was also like the whole time speculating because, like, all right, why would they have that queued up in the graphics thing or whatever? I mean, why would that be here? Why would this random thing? Do they just have everybody's shit queued up? for just in case you know so we was already thinking that something was going to be up the whole time for us so people in the stadium if they would have caught that they would have already knew what was going on but for I can imagine y'all at home that was a big thing but for us we was just like on the fence about it but it was like the arena exploded it was fucking amazing (laughs) I exploded. I don't know about the arena, but on my seat, I was like, I heard the beat. I'm like, oh my God, he's, it's the doctor. He's coming back. And then I saw the, the outfit and everything. I'm like, oh my God, he's going to be, you know, he's going to come back as the doctor, which I love that character. It was one of my favorite characters. And, I, and yeah. it's just, he said, you're going to wait, you're going to be seeing John Cena go heel. I'm like, oh my God, like he's even acknowledging it. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then, um, um, even I, I thought that was great. Yeah, even ironically for me, um, the guy that I went with, one of my friends or whatever, he brought me the John Cena U.S. title spinner belt. Like he had it, and he didn't want it no more, so he gave it I, to me. <laughs> also, you have the spinner belt. I thought that you had the U.S. title, and it was the spinner one. Why well, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't bring none of my belts, but the only reason I had that belt because he brought it to me when he came down. Because like what I've learned from the what the first two manias that I went to, bringing that belt and just lugging that thing around is a fucking hassle. Because like I don't have like the hard plastic commemorative one. I got like the full on replica. So that bitch is heavy, it's bulky, and I'm just like fuck it. <laughs> What, um, how were the prices of like merchandise and stuff? Was it, I mean, it's the same? Um, that Kofi shirt I bought was $30. Okay. Yep. But any closing thoughts? No, no, I'm, I'm, you know, glad I could jump on Easter Sunday with, for you. Um, you know, I felt like, uh, talked about a lot of good things uh you know looking forward to the next time i can be on that's all oh yeah man and like i said y'all is welcomed and um on behalf of myself and king ajar who you can follow on twitter at king ajar 
Yeah. And uh, you can also follow Wrestling Is Trash on Twitter at Wrestling Be Trash and Instagram at Wrestling Is Trash. And you can find all the episodes on WrestlingIsTrash.com. On behalf of the both of us, we bid you a fond adieu, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>